Welcome to the We Fucking Love Startups podcast. I'm your host, Troy Hammond. And on today's episode, we're chatting with Justin Sung. Justin is the co-founder and CEO of AuthSignal. And essentially, AuthSignal is taking the passwords away from us. It's helping security. It's helping with fintech. And it's really exciting. It's born out of New Zealand, and it's going to potentially be a billion-dollar software. And so I'm chatting with Justin, who I've known for a long time. Uh, I've known him from the early days of when, when I first set up Talent Army, and I've sort of watched his career over time, and it's, and it's really escalated to the point where he's actually got his own thing now. That thing is blowing up. And so I'm really curious to see how that happened, what he's done, what he's learned, and what he can share with the rest of us. Looking forward to chatting with Justin. And so let's jump on and have a chat with him now. Thanks for tuning in to the We Fucking Love Startups podcast, brought to you by Talent Army. Have you, have you ever worked in ISOS Ventures, man, or in this building before? I've been, been in a few times to, to have chats with people and begged for money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How does that feel, like, as someone who's been an employee for a long time, like, oh, so you find yourself in the, the seat where you actually have to ask for money? Is that a big change, or? It's a, it's a new perspective, I think, a new appreciation for what a founder and what a CEO does, right? And mm. the, there is pressure. There is a, a mantle that you are tasked with and, and huge responsibility. But I think, and that's the reason why I think I've really timed uh, you know, when I actually start up, you know, it's been a big passion of mine uh, for a long time. Uh, but you always, I, always wanted to be a founder? I've always, you know, uh, when I was 12, you know, I wanted to be Bill Gates. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like a 12 year old having a poster of Bill Gates. You know, on, on, on Did the, you have a poster? No, uh, on my wallpaper. Uh, no, <laughs> just kidding. But um, look, it was a big aspiration, but I think I've been very lucky to sit under like just pretty radical founders and CEOs kind of see how they operate, uh, you know, learn from, from where I thought they could kind of, you know, you know, have done better. Look, everyone can do better. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's great timing for me to step out and it's been, it's been a great journey so far. Mm, that's a big call though, man. Like, cause yeah. you were, you've been, you, I mean, you've been in some great roles and you've, well, we've been we've yeah. been chatting for yeah. a long time and, and having, you know, obviously different relationships throughout the year with, with Dan up here in Auckland, yeah. uh, from being a candidate uh, all the way to, to hiring, right? So yeah. I think those, like the, the advice I give to people is working for someone is not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, um, you know, when you're trying to build a business and trying to tell your story, um, having those experiences actually counts for a lot. And it's what you make out of it, you know. If you can learn quickly from those experiences, then you're going get, to get somewhere. Yeah, man, it's cheaper to fuck up too when it's not your company. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we've, I've made, made a few of those, but we'll keep that, uh, keep that quiet. <laughs> yeah. So where did, where did it start for you? Where was the first role that you were like, ah, oh, right, this is starting to come together yeah, now? Yeah. So I um, did the... You know, went to uni, did computer science and economics, mm -hmm. you know, entered the entrepreneurship club, did all those things. So I've always, always, you know, as mentioned, always thought that, you know, someday I'm going to start my own business. And some of my peers have gone on to do some great things out of that cohort, right? Um, 
but I, I went straight to, to work for the big corporate enterprise. Mm. <laughs> went to Hewlett Packard, if people actually know who that company is now, HP. Yeah, yeah. It's, fun, it's funny that you can say like HP now and some young people might be like, who's that company? Yeah, you know? yeah printers is yeah. the only thing that they're known for still, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, as a, as a young buck, you, you want to get your foot in the door somewhere. So that's how I sort of got myself into the trade, which is, mm. uh, you know, as a developer. Um, and then what I found was you need to, you need to be good at a segment and industry. And I fell into the, you know, the FinTech space through HP. Um, and from then I pretty much got typecasted into FinTech roles all the way through. Right. And very quickly I went to another corporate NZX, a stock exchange in Wellington. I think that's, you know, when I, yeah, yeah, that's when you guys jumped on the scene as well, 10, 15 years ago. And uh, people were trying to build apps. People were trying to do SaaS apps and trying to be a little bit radical with the digital platforms. And from then, I I sort of hooked on kind of some of the IPO waves that were happening. So Orion yeah. Health, yeah, uh, was I did a stint there. But then um, Fit Harmony, yeah, was when I guess I really got into the weeds of a, a early stage startup, uh, and it was pretty fun <laughs> what are you because there's lots of people listening to this right that working in corporate and flirting with going into a startup and they ask advice all the time like mm. what are the what were the, the things that really like oh this is different you know when come from corporate to startup land the initiative right like it's all hands on deck when you're in a 10 person 12 person outfit or environment um you can't point fingers at this person or you know let's just wait for old john to get back to us on this Mm. and that and the other you don't have john you got to make things happen so if you're i guess you know for those people are frustrated at uh, environments where you can't get stuff done then startup land is a great place to to really hone that put the energy in and you know i've I've loved it never looked back and it's been you know amazing yeah man because you've waited like so you've had like some afterpay, yep. like you know you've worked at Layby, yep. Harmony, you know NZX, you know like HP. Now your own thing, yep. right? Like you've seen some massive growth and some real particular challenges. Yeah, I was lucky. Did, did you design like your career, or was it you just chased where the opportunity landed? Or it's the old Bruce Lee adage, right? Be like water. I yep. think is the the key. Key point. I think you do need to have a little bit of a vision and a purpose. And um, you know, my my passion is to build. Yeah. Uh, my passion is to make people's lives easier through apps and software. Yeah. And so that was just my underlining kind of desire, right? And you just go where those opportunities, uh, you know, allow you to do that, and you yeah. stay away from things that don't. And I think ultimately, people people realize that oh, wow, you're actually, you're passionate about this and they, they put you on your team, on their team. So yeah. um, I've you, been very fortunate, yeah. And you've had opportunities where you've completely jumped different tech stacks and the likes. Oh, and yeah. so yeah. like some people I know, they're like, oh, no, look, I'm only a Ruby developer or I'm only yeah. an X developer, you know, and so you've jumped ship many times, right? And so Reinvention. Um, I think in the last 10 years, that kind of polyglot kind of, you know, ideal was not as perpetuated, you know, like mm. 10, 15 years ago, PHP developer, Ruby developer, but 
to de- to deliver a modern experience, you know, uh, in a in the in the cross-functional team and a team that's effective, you do need to know your JavaScript from the front end yeah. to to your backend technologies as well. So, I would say, hey, look, um, anyone that can strive to be a polyglot. Uh, is you know it's worthwhile to invest in in being that and as a developer and an engineer, um, and I think more people are, you know I've de- I'm de- I'm definitely hiring for people who are polyglots yeah. as opposed to being quite single tracked. So yeah, I I personally had to do that to 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 get to where I am. Would you have hired yourself as a developer now, knowing who you are as a founder? Like, if I'm talking about that coming from HP into a startup. Yeah, look, I think I've had. You learn and you read different requirements, right? Mm-hmm. I think where I quickly understood what people were after in different industries, uh, you know, if I were to pitch myself to a bank in, in, in my raw, honest self, um, I was diametrically opposed to the types of cultures that you may find in these kind of organizations. So it mm-hmm. was pretty clear early on that, look, there's some cultures, and that this is 10, 15 years ago, right? So people were still trying to, figure out how to get off COBOL, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think I think you, it's changed clearly. You know, people do want uh, people who think outside of the square, uh, who be entrepreneurial to bring, bring new ideas to the table. But yeah. I think, um, which is great, uh, so not bagging on banks. I think they're great now with different, you know, initiatives but i yeah definitely i i I wouldn't have excelled in environments that that really kept me in in a a bit of a box or yeah yeah and what do you so what trades do you look for like um so you're a ceo founder now right obviously not a cto anymore but if you're putting your cta back hat on now what traits do you generically look for yeah so inquisitiveness um what does that mean though it means Here's a practical example. It means taking a, a, a dis, you know, a, a, a simple idea. Maybe it gets thrown about in a Slack channel, for example, mm-hmm. and actually going, I actually don't know what this guy means by this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to dig into it. I'm going to take initiative to figure it out uh, rather than wait for someone to educate me and enlighten me. Um, you know that tr- single trait alone, curiosity, inquisitiveness, is I think you know that key determining factor for me because that shows initiative. Yeah, shows that you're getting off your ass. You you're actually trying to figure things out, and yeah. and you're doing that with limited resources. You know, you don't have the world uh, at your at your disposal, just giving you everything that you need all at once. So I I look for that as a key trait. How do you interview for that? Like, how do you find that? I I put on my real quirky hat on and, and be real. I go off pissed, off script. Yeah. Uh, I think those who are watching this who have uh, been in interviews with me, um, I I throw them into just situations through questions and scenarios where they get put on the spot. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to drag out a... a I'm trying to avoid the can answers and replies from yeah. individuals. So a good, good trying one. Trying to get them to flow state, right? When they can just give you exactly what's and be on their honest, mind. I yeah. think the honesty in I don't know, mm. I actually have no idea. And okay, that's fine. But how how do you get over the fact that you don't know something? Yeah, you know. And and the secondary trait is being able to be vulnerable and actually say I don't know. So 
um, you know, art. I wear I wear a crazy hat sometimes in interviews and uh, try and put people on the spot and, and trying to get them off pistas a little bit and, and draw out some of their personalities. Yeah, nice, nice. I think like for me, you, you nailed it for like generic, generically across technology, right? When I'm obviously I interview a lot of people, I'm always looking for curiosity, I'm, especially in startups, right? Mm. I'm looking for someone that's going to pull it string without limited resource, without a whole team behind them to be able to just say, oh, I need to figure that out and then go deeper and then tell, talk me through the steps that they've taken once they did pull at the string and mm. see where they got to then and then how do they socialise that again, right? So, Man, when you get a team of, of people like that and who can execute and write code and make things happen man you've got a high performing product mm. team that can ship and if you can ship means you're probably 99 percent ahead of everyone else mm. yeah awesome man hey so let's get into some of your key roles then right over your career so what would you say pre you founding a company would be the 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 defining one yeah look it's, it's my last role um so i got shoulder tapped to be the cto of layby yeah. um just when they were about 10 people yeah. Uh, strong. So uh, Layby is one of the buy now, pay later products. Yeah, that's right. And I came off um, working on the Afterpay app and, and sort of that led me to that role. Um, and, you know, I I was a, in a leadership position where I was the first engineer on the, on, on the scene, right? And, and Family you know, business too, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a tight-knit family mm. business and you are tasked with essentially scaling out the product and the culture uh, and you know I didn't know where it would take out me and, and the, the, the whole business what on the you, first day but it we, what did you do what did like talk me through your decision making in terms of you're like all right holy fuck I'm now the CTO and thinking about product and all the things yep yep so look you have to rationalize what the expectations are from from everyone you know and for me it was pretty clear I was pretty ambitious to take uh, this little New Zealand-made business and help Gary to really scale it out internationally. I think what I didn't realize was how the pace that I was able to potentially do that. Mm. Um, and look, part of it was how do you get good people in really quickly? And, you know, not to do a plug for Talent Army, but, um, you know, we, I rang Dan as one of the first things I did mm. um, and try and formulate it a bit of a structure to the team yeah um so there was a bit of time obviously but you, but you were like type 8 client for telling army right like we always talk about clients that we want a true partnership so we want to know what's and all what are your challenges mm. we want you we want to be able to tell you what's and all about the opportunity that you're going to get and like that for me shows maturity beyond years of experience right when you can sit down with whether it be a recruitment agency or any services company mm. and say hey this is a teamwork for us to do it together and this is how we're going to do it and this is how this is my plan and so i think one of the first things dan set me down and, and sort of had have me consider and i attribute success of the kind of hiring process to that one conversation was how do you structure your team how do you draw it out on a piece of paper and you know after that conversation i drew boxes and I was able to communicate that as a, you know, kind of a, a plan to stakeholders to get signed off, to get approved. And, you know, it starts with people and, and it ends with people. And mm. um, what the outcomes were for the business is um, the feedback that I got was that we were able to ship and execute and go from kind of a family business to scaling all the way to IPO. 
uh, to dealing with millions of customers, billions of dollars worth of, of payments, right? So look, it's possible. And, and this is where I think um, I want to, to share with, with the viewers is you can do it in New Zealand. We mm. can build global businesses. We just have to plan, structure our thoughts, wrap yourselves around like really smart people and then just execute and just execute really well. And I was really lucky to have like really good engineers around me and, and a better and a great product team in the end. Yeah. Mm, what is it about Kiwi companies do you think that don't think big enough early enough? Look, it's cultural. It's, you know, I've been bantering on about tall poppy syndrome for a long, long time, but we have to just cross that chasm, right? We, we need role models. So, you know, my, Role models from a Kiwi kind of startup perspective is someone like Peter Beck, right? Yeah. I use, I use, you know, talk about rockets. Yeah. We're putting rockets into space, people. Like From New Zealand. From New Zealand out in Gisborne. Mm. This is big, yeah. right? Like, why are we not talking about this? Why are we not, you know, leveraging that? And we've got rocket scientists, you know, it's always the, the old kind of, you know, oh, I'm not a, you, know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know this and that and the other, but we've got the rocket scientists. You know, we can do more than just, uh, uh, you know, oh, and, and I'll, I'll maybe... Do, do you know that NASA is investing um, $20 million, I think it is, into New Zealand? Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Of, because of the success of what we've been able to achieve. I think it may be even more. I can't, I'll look that up. Someone told me recently and I was like, where's that money going to go? And they were like, it's the start of the space ecosystem in New Zealand and it's only going to get bigger. I think in, in I've, Dawn Aerospace, you've got a company making magnets, you know, for space shuttles and yeah. whatever, right? And like, so the cultural aspect, I think the attitude to risk is something that we have to beat beat it out of us. Um, yeah. Look, when, when you have an idea, when you're trying to build something, there's more in, in, in our part of the world, more people that will slag it off than actually just promote it and just go, you know, good on you. Like, I'll be supporting you, you know, even, you know in, in all sorts of ways. And Did you find that when you set things up? Yeah, yeah. Let's call it out. It's, yeah. um, it happens. Um, you know, there's always more reasons why you're not going to succeed than, yeah. than you know, and, and you, the, the differences in attitudes, say, from when you go outside of ANZ, for example, when you hit into APAC uh, to US, yeah. you, they do things differently. Uh, a good example is I was talking to uh, a Singapore-based fund, and the Singapore government over there, um, they just, they're throwing visas and passports at anyone that has talent and skill. Yeah. And going, we'll pay for your your relocation. We'll move all your family. They'll have good schooling. We're going to invest in you. You're going to come in and bring that culture into our environment. And, we, and the government's going to fund it, right? So it's proactive. Uh, we need to sort ourselves out, I think, here in New Zealand. Yeah, it's ridiculous to me. Like, as a recruiter in COVID times, right, when we had, an, like, Nirvana here of – we had no COVID at this one stage. We had every single person from around the world wanting to join, come to New Zealand, and we weren't giving visas out. We weren't letting people move here, and we still struggle to do it now. You know, like it's just, it's just, it's not helping us to go forward. I mean, we were trying to get someone from San Fran, I think, uh, through through you guys, and uh, 
we lost him because yeah. we just couldn't get a visa. And man, it'll be great to have someone who, who transfer that kind of scale and knowledge to well, New Zealand. It just right? unlocks levels, right? And mm. I think this is what people don't realize is they think, you know, it's hard and challenging hiring internationally, but you're getting someone who's already written the playbook for the next stage that you're looking to grow into. And, you know, they've read the playbook, they've lived the playbook, and then they're going to bring it in and help teach you the playbook. And so, yeah. And, Iron sharpens iron and it's transferable. You know, when, yeah. when you're learning off someone that has the skills and learnt it from, let's say, a fang company, yeah, man, you can't learn that at uni. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is invaluable. Let's bring these people in. And you're starting to see a little bit of that um, here and there in little pockets of, you know, possibly, you know, Americans trying to, you know, build a doomsday bunker and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you kind of meet them around and, and some of them live in Waiki. Um, but we need, we, we, it's not just capital. We need that kind of talent as well. Yeah. 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 So tell me through, cause you, you took the path into entrepreneurism through a venture, yep. right? And so um, for those that don't know, you worked at what was Dovetail yep. um, is now Paloma um, rebranded and they have a couple of different ways of working massive fan of dovetail just shout out to dovetail like if you are looking for an agency or a venture partner great team you know really cool um you decided to go back to dovetail with your idea yep. and so so first 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 and foremost how did the idea for all signal come about yeah a good good place to start so look i prior to off signal um i was typecasted into fintech roles right yep. and what I found was um, there's a lot of responsibility dealing with people's money and private information, and there is a huge balancing act in trying to being really good stewards and having that responsibility. But also, you kind of want to make the user experience really seamless. Mm. And the tricky part is there's actually very few tools and products that help you help these apps go. Look, we're going to make our system really secure but also not lose people along the way and make it too hard to access your accounts. So what I found was in the different businesses and particularly in the buy now, pay later scene, you have to build these things from scratch. Mm. There's, you know, there's very few technologies that help you just achieve that very quickly. So OffSignal is a product that I wish I had when I you know, was scaling up uh, these buy now, pay later apps, you know, after pay and lay by, so that, you know, to, to reduce the time, the market to, to for um, these what we call digital identity mm. solutions because hey look it's topical um, your account security your identity is at risk um, and there's an onus on these platforms to look after it. How would you explain all signal to someone who who might be a tech salesperson that's not technical right yeah. and so. Yeah. Okay. So, look, we all we're all familiar with username and passwords, right? Mm. To get into your um, accounts, transfer money. Um, yeah. Look, newsflash, it's that's really shit way of uh, of uh, logging in and, and protecting so, your account. And have, so, having one password across all of your accounts. Is... Oh yeah, like uh, password one two three <laughs> and my birthday. Um, yeah. And it's just psychologically, sociologically, we're 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 all we all go to equilibrium. We all do the same thing. We all choose birthdays and our dog's name, right? Yeah. So, but for, for, you know, then we've got different technologies that kind of, you know, layer on security after the password. But what OffSignal is really interested in is how do we remove passwords completely 
how do we leverage technologies that uh, I'll bring up my phone here that use your biometrics, you know, yep. the fundamental kind of immutable things that, that formulates your identity. It's your biology. It's the fact your fingerprint, your eyes, yeah. you know, the distance between your eyes and your nose. And then how do we drop that in so that the next time you log in or the next time you deal with your bank, insurance company, government, instead of typing in your, your username and passwords, you're, you're looking at your phone and away you go, you're in. You want to send ten ten thousand dollars to buy some cryptocurrency? Put your finger on your 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 yeah thumb, whatever touch ID, and, and away you go, right? So yep. we're um, looking at just changing the world in that sense, and um, you know, and make make life easier and more secure. Really, that's a big industry, man. Like it's a huge yep. industry to go after, yep. um, and obviously you you're going after it in a big way. Like all signals making some big waves already you know yeah. and so like what's the what's the size of that industry um so it's in the billions um there are you know it's you know anywhere from 20 to 30 billion is our kind of rough estimate um let's just take those sms codes that we use yeah um you know they cost money to send sms's to validate your identity and those are i could steal your phone number so it's it's not good I mean, I get so many robo SMS messages now, the yeah. scams all the time that I just don't trust any SMS, right? And so, and what people don't cost in is what happens when someone breaches your system, when someone can get into your your bank account, when can when can someone can assume your whole identity, right? Yeah. We've wrapped up our digital identities with these bits of information: username, password, and the worst thing is, you know, you ring your insurance company up and they ask you what your date of birth is and you, where you live. And and you can then assume that identity, yeah. uh, whether or not it's you or someone else, right? So yeah. it's we our, our, our world of working digitally and, and kind of non-face-to-face, -face, you know, COVID accelerated that has fundamentally changed. And if we don't improve the processes and controls, then we're all in for a bit of a, you know, hammering from uh, scams, fraud, and ultimately, you know, that's, a total kind of invasion of someone's identity and privacy and it's like you know opening the doors while you're taking a dump you know yeah, yeah. i mean that's that's i mean who wants that <laughs> yeah I, I, I like to dump in peace man so what's is there like is there big things in new zealand that have happened that most people don't know about like or yeah so look we've you know won't name names but you know, we've had our, our largest data breach uh, just a few months ago and already we're seeing the unintended kind of unknown consequences of that. And let me let me just, I guess, share a bit of insight. Mm. You know, when that email, if you got you, if you were affected by these breaches, you tend to get an email with, from that company saying that they're so, sorry for that. But the consequence of someone having your identity, that means, what that means is you could fool multiple systems with those really privileged and private information. Actually, I was just coming in through the door here and I got a guy who knows me who sort of stopped me and told me that he got his bank account cleaned out because someone was able to take those private bits of information, where he lived, the last three places that he lived and all these kind of things, stitch together a story, go to the, go to the New Zealand Transport Authority to create a driver's license. Mm. And then went to the bank, created a new card, and take money out of the account. Now, the last kind of big cyber attacks globally all started from someone being able to assume someone's identity. And they're, they're going all out, these bad actors, right? They're 
trying to pretend like you're the son or wife of a, a major CEO. They found their details somewhere on the dark web. They assumed that identity. And now with generative AI, you can do deep fakes and sound yeah. like the wife. And, you know, and that starts there. The wife then can do things like phishing. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, hun, like what's the password that you use to get into that account? Or, or I've just, you've just got a code. I'm just trying to get into that. And unknowingly, we're human, we fail. Yeah. Um, and then some, you know, you get a CEO being compromised and potentially have other ramifications, right? So they, cyber criminals, hop. So I think the, the lesson here for everyone listening, take those breach notices seriously, demand more out of your service providers. And if, you're, if you've been a victim of those types of fraud, like just, just make some noise. And um, at OffSignal, we're, we're here to kind of, change the world and, and so offer is, you so is all signal because the biggest um roadblock right well the biggest opportunity for breach is human error Correct. right so is all signal largely just trying to take away human error we're, we're trying to yeah so the big the human error aspect is phishing it's being able to uh, convince someone to punch in a code or give away their password right mm. so we have technologies now that uh quote-unquote unfishable um so your biometrics unless you know unless it's face off you know with uh all uh yeah swat yeah you, if you can get someone else's face you know yeah. or, or voice or thumbprint it's very difficult to then authorize something when when you don't have that biometrics in front of you right so you yeah. can't just go hey can i can i just borrow your thumb for a moment like yeah. it's you can't do that so we're we're building technologies to help companies bridge towards that form of customer experience look it's going to take a long time yeah we're still pretty wetted by pass with passwords but there's some like pretty awesome new zealand enterprises that we're working with that are going actually let's just ditch passwords all together uh, let's and, and let's just make the customer experience super like frictionless and like and secure you know? yeah and so so you do need to get you need to have that mental kind of like leap to go actually we can do away with passwords now and we can implement technologies that we're helping kind of build and, and drop into any solution yeah man interesting interesting so then you um you've obviously had this idea you've thought about it a lot you've decided i'm going to leave a well-paying cto role yeah, yeah. and i'm going to go and eat some yeah. ramen noodles for yeah. the next wee yeah. while and build this thing and so why did you take it to dovetail paloma yeah. So I kind of learned from, you know, working with the previous founders that speed to market is key. Yeah. If you're slow, someone else will do it. And I previously worked with the Dovetail Paloma crew. I understood the capabilities. So I got along with them, obviously, straight off the bat. But I knew that I could turn this idea, this you know, that I had – and rapidly build a product, yeah. Right, and the and the fundamental difference with say doing it yourself, bootstrapping, is look, I could do this in my spare time, which is still very very valuable. Uh, that that you know I want to set aside to, to spend time with my family, mm. or understand what the ingredients are to accelerate the path to market. And as in a venture studio, which is what Paloma, uh, one part of what they do is, yeah. They take entrepreneurs with ideas and wrap a whole team around them 
on day one so that you're hitting the ground running. Um, one of the great parts of actually building this business was actually validating some of the problems that I face with some of the businesses that they were working with, uh, some big, large US companies that they were servicing. And lo, lo and behold, that they all suffer and all are going through the same problems that I had to deal with yeah. in all these jobs. And that adds to the validation, that get, builds conviction. And, you know, we, we launched um, in August of last year. So we were about nine, eight, 10 months old and we're already kicking some massive goals as well. Yeah, awesome, man. Like, I, obviously, we're sitting in Ice House Ventures, right? And similar, same. I like, I see some people down there and the ventures team at Ice House working together, and I'm like, they're probably three months in having twelve month conversations, you know. Like, and you just don't get that when you're part timing it, you know, with four, four people who can't who can only get together every Tuesday and Thursday, and you know, no one's got the cash to be able to jump in full time yet, and the like. So, oh, uh, we need and and we need more. The acceleration here in New Zealand, right? Yeah. Because if we don't have the capital, then how else are we going to produce businesses rapidly, right? Yeah. It's the slow drip-fed kind of, uh, you know, I guess culture that we have is is good for in, in some respects, but in ter- you know, in terms of trying to get to that scale of of churning out great companies, we need to do that better. And and I think venture studios have a big part to play. And shout out to the Paloma team for helping me get started. Yeah, awesome, man. Hey, so I, years ago, I was I was running a, an Australian recruitment firm, and I was trying to get closer into the startup world. You know, it wasn't a like, wasn't a place that most recruiters went to. You know, they when I first set up Telenami, everyone thought I was a fucking idiot. You know, like don't go to companies that have zero money to try and recruit for them. But I really, I was just fascinated by it. And so, even when I was at this Australian firm, I was like, oh, I want to get involved in it more. And so I was reaching out to a lot of people, and I was redesigning the office, and I thought. I'll name the office meeting rooms after startup founders that I quite liked at the time. And it was like just when Zero started kicking off and doing really well. And so I hit right up and this method to the madness of the story, by the way, I hit right up and I was like, Rod, I'm going to call a room after you. Um, and he was grateful. You know, he said, thank you. Like he emailed me back the next day after when I like this idiot young Aussie recruiter. And I said, I'd love to put a quote on the wall of something that you like one of your quotes. And he said, he gave me a quote that I put up on the wall that, really changed everything for me that day and he said it's not the big that eat the small but the fast that eat the slow yeah and new zealand just doesn't know that and like that that changed everything for me it really is like you small fast companies can kick the shit out of yeah. big companies it is the superpower and you know the ones that we've the success stories that, that we've seen and that we read about are you know are those small companies that were backed right and and um, being able to run fast, run run circles around Goliath, mm. uh, you know, it's a superpower. We we have it here. We intrinsically already have that capability, uh, but we just I think need more guts. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, man. So, hey, talk me through like the process of being an adventure, right? So, you have a team around you straight away. You have a designer, I assume, yep. a product person, or you know, an engineer if you don't want to be the engineer, or you have all these things, and so they sort of come together and then build your foundation team to get you to an MVP. Yeah. Is that the case? Yeah, that's right. So uh, literally, I guess, you know, you start with nothing and you go through this rapid iteration processes, right? And uh, for some founders, um, they come in with a pretty pretty kind of uh, bigger, more vague problem statement. And and, and that's the case most of the time. And what, what you do when you have 
good product people around you is try and refine that into something that's tangible and 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 that that's that first MVP. So I think mm. for a lot of people, just having people that can help you really get to that kind of raw, you know, iteration, that first iteration is is solve the first thing. For, solve the first thing is that the biggest kind of help that everyone, uh, someone with, who's just starting out with an idea is, is a great place and, and Adventure Studio will, will help with that. I was lucky, you know, um, I had a pretty clear idea um, where the Venture Studio helped me was validate that yeah. through their customer base. Um, so that that helped me. Um, then, yeah, it's it's turning uh, the problem statement into visuals, into something that uh, is tangible that you can point to and designers do a great job at doing that um, and building a brand, you know. I think one thing that startups kind of, uh, I guess, sometimes forget is... Um, people do buy you for what you represent yeah. and, and, and visually that's a huge part in communicating that, right? And your positioning. Um, so I would say having these experts around you early so that you've gone from, I guess, a, a crappy looking kind of website and, you know, pr proposition into three months later, you are world-class, world-beating, um, is a, is an important part of getting there quickly. Yeah, yeah. man. I, I I invest in companies. I get pitched all the time. Uh, we do the fuck year Fridays now, so we're yeah. getting like heaps of people reach out to well, us and say deal flow, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's like so. I see so many startups and so many things, right? And the the constant thing that I see and feel is, I'm like, man, interesting product. Probably solving a good thing there, but looks terrible you know and i'm like to be a, a global product now to be to be able to compete on the global stage we have to get better in terms of like the ui and the ux of a product and a lot of engineers just can't seem to get that in their head when they found a product it's so far from their vernacular in terms of mm. like i just want to build the thing man i want to build a thing i'm like yeah build it right but you've got to get earlier like once you're taking that out to market it's got to be it's got to look good like zero was proof in the pudding there, man. Beautiful yeah. design. What was the tagline? You know, beautiful accounting software. And so, yeah, just just by making accounting less uh, excruciating was the superpower, right? Yeah. And you're, <laughs> I mean, you're you're theoretically like a security product, right? Like yeah. security engineers. Yeah. If we were to be horrible and typecast security engineers, probably the least interested in design beautiful software, right? They're like more interested in the complexity and the nerdity of like what is a cool technology solution. Yeah. But and still, man, your product's beautiful, right? And, so and it's interesting you touch on that. The reason why consumers don't adopt these tools in their life is because there's a perceived understanding it's way too hard. Yeah. Right? They don't turn these uh, you know, say multi-factor authentication, they don't turn it on because it's you're in the middle of the wop bops and you want to do a bank transfer and you, you your text message doesn't arrive. Yeah. Right. So there's a fu some fundamental flaws, probably well intentioned by yeah. security people, but the user UX is is just it, there's no UX and there's no security if yeah. they can't turn it on. Yeah. Know? Awesome, man. And so, what do you like? How did how did you t transition from CTO to CEO founder? Like, how what was that like? Because not everyone can do that, man. Yeah. Look, I've I think look, there's some in, intrinsic core beliefs uh in, in my capabilities that I think um helped. Uh, you know, the, one before you jump into it, make 
back yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so I think. Uh, look, I've been very fortunate to be put into leadership positions in, 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 in different various forms, and and you know, tip to sort of young bucks out there, or, or young young people out there trying to trying to figure out or plan their their journey is you're you're a leader whether or not you have a title or not right like grab hold of the opportunities in front of you and i've i've been able to um take opportunities grow the leadership capacity um lead the team help execute help kick goals and i just felt you know at the end of my last job that i was in a really good position to take the mantle of, of leading a company yeah um you know being surrounded by founders uh and, and learning off their traits the good and bad uh and trying to trying to make sense of it was was really helpful i i i spent a lot of time studying yeah. uh the people that i worked for uh and you know at some point you get you get i guess there's a gut feel that you go look i think uh yeah I know Kung Fu or, you know, kind of that, you know, Keanu Reeves and, and you go, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for yeah, this, you know? Yeah. And look, and some people's journeys are different. You know, you've got some, some founders starting companies when you're 20. Um, but again, I think, you know, based on, on data, you're probably, the data actually shows that the, you know, that, that late stage and, you know, in terms of experience, founders actually build some great companies. You know, the, the, the guy who founded LinkedIn is a great example. Yeah, Reed and Reed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. Thank you for saying that to a forty-three-year-old man that has three early-stage startups. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you give me hope. No, I, I believe that, man. I am, I am the person I am now because of the information that I've been able to take in over the last forty-three years. And you know, I have absolute confidence in my conviction now because, if, and if I don't know the answer, I'll be able to figure it out really easily, right? Yeah. By the way, I, it is my life's goal to speak into a really high-quality microphone. Is it? So I can't wait to actually listen back to to my kind of bassy voice. Yeah, you got a good voice, man. You speak really oh, well. Thank and you. So thank I think you. that's a hard thing for a founder, right? You suddenly become PR focused. Like I've heard you on a on another podcast. I've seen you a lot online. You speak at conferences and all these things now. Is that something that you've always naturally been good at? Or huh, interesting, you bring that up. Uh, <laughs> jokingly, jokingly, I I attribute some of my skills to Toastmasters. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know, I, I only stuck stuck at it for a, for a couple of sessions. It just got a bit too intense for me. No offense to the people that joined mm, Toastmasters. They're so pretty hard out though. Aren't takes they? commitment, and yeah. uh, you know, you got to you, you get very good at setting up chairs. It's something that they <laughs> teach you at Toastmasters. But um, getting the opportunities to to learn um, to how to speak, and the biggest thing that I learned from from Toastmasters is you actually don't have to rush through giving a presentation. Uh, you can take pauses. You can actually stop and think. And when you do that, you actually eliminate ums and ahs or eliminate the possibility of saying something crazy or ridiculous or in- incoherent, right? So um, that's, that's, I, I take a lot of those learnings, uh, mm. taking a pause uh, and just there's a really thinking. Good TED, there's a really good TED Talk out there that I encourage people to watch and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, the power of not saying um mm. and... The guy that says it, he talks about how you take a real pregnant pause, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe that you're thinking and maybe that you're processing because sometimes our mouths move faster than our brains, but it, taking that pause gives, gives perceived confidence versus when you're saying um and ah takes it away 
And so a lot of people don't realize the importance of, you know, just being really confident in the ability that you can take a moment to really finish a paragraph that you've just talked about and then start talking about the next one without needing to um and ah and, and the likes. But yeah, you do well, man. So obviously oh. the two sessions of Toastmasters was enough for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, thanks. Mm. I got my certificate, so there you go. <laughs> and so one one thing that I was particularly like impressed with you, like, and I a lot of the information that I have from you these days is osmosis through Dan, right? Yeah. Like in Dan and I, Dan raves, he's a massive Justin fan, right? Massive Justin fan and all signal fan is that he was like, oh man, he's really particular about the founding team, like really particular about the people that he gets in for certain roles and what he wants. And he's like, it's so f- refreshing because he knows exactly what he wants. And so what was it about the early day stage team that you were looking for? Mm. So I think I, I, I say this all the time, the the early founding team effectively is make or break for the company. You get the wrong people in early, um, your chances of success is, is massively low and, you know, the data, everything points to that. So the key ingredient for me is from a founding team, how the people that are involved need to be, they need to understand what they're buying, getting themselves into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. yeah. And you, you be, you be upfront, right? You be upfront about the challenges, about uh, you be vulnerable to them around, you know, the, the truth and the reality about being part of a founding team. Um, secondly, I like people that know what good looks like. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have a ton of experience. Um, because you can learn through through osmosis, through reading, through studying what good looks like. Mm. And having the combination of people that understand the purpose and the realities of growing a startup or a company and then taking that um, understanding of what good looks like and this is how I should execute is a winning combination. And that just keeps, you know, that, that, that just will, will become the culture they'll hire people that share that same values. Uh, and, and then, you know, sooner rather than later, the execution works and you scale and you hit, you hit traction and, and you build great businesses. So mm. look, I, I like talking to Dan um, and, and, and Talanami because there is a, that shared kind of people first thinking. And yeah. I think, you know, some people just solve problems by throwing money at things. Yeah. Some people solve problems by throwing the smartest people in the room at um, just broad, brute uh, brain power. But it's more than that, clearly. Yeah, man. How do you get to these, man? How do you get the knowledge of being a leader? Where do you, because like you're demonstrating verbally and tr- through past, you know, mm-hmm. really good leadership abilities here. Where did this all come from? Nurture, nature, it's a standard argument, but... Um, I think experiences play a part in being humble and, and have the humility to draw upon failures. Mm. Uh, I, from a nurture point of view, I, I was born in Singapore. I moved here when I was 12. Uh, that gave me actually a bit of a, um, you know, life experience. I, I, I came to New Zealand by myself with, my, with the blessing of, of my, my parents, of course, but I turned up. 
uh, at the airport with my luggage bag going... At 12. At 12. Uh, going, look, I don't fit the box and the mold in Singapore. Really appreciate that kind of formative years, but I really just want to do it somewhere else. And I was very lucky to have parents that backed me there. So that, that helped. Um, Where the fuck do you go at 12? Like, is it... Did you go into a home with? Yeah. I did, I did. Yeah, yeah it's a, you know, you, you, I was an international student yeah. um, out in the Wop Wops of Christchurch. Um, so shout out to those people who are listening from Christchurch, from Lincoln. Um, I've met it, a bunch of people who did uni with you uh, in the entrepreneurial thing, and they're like, yeah, Justin, and then reference. And yeah. so, man, it seems like it was a real tight crew back down in South there. Yeah. The, the entrepreneurship club yeah. is, is uh, where all the geeks hang, hung out. Uh, so we spent a lot of time together and it's great to see, like I mentioned, uh, some awesome businesses. Some of them have backed me. Yeah. Um, so having a tight group and again, like it's possible. We, can, we have great fraternities. Yeah. Um, we don't make a big deal about it, but you know, if we put enough time, it can rival the types of fraternities and groups of Silicon Valley and in Singapore and Melbourne and Sydney, um, it's it's possible. You know, I'm in living proof and my, my peers who have done very well are, yeah. Yeah, man. That's what we're trying to do with this podcast, right, is just showcase that there is so many fucking amazing New Zealand heroes and totally, startup, right? Totally. Like that we need to champion and listen to these voices more yep. than hearing every other American podcast. Like listen to them as well, right? Yep. Great. But we just have so many awesome people here doing really fucking cool shit. Yep. Probably just not used to talking about themselves so much, you know? And so Well, thanks for, for drawing it out of people, right? The shy kind of Kiwi kind of, you know, yeah. hiding behind the bushes. Well, if we need to be given platforms and yeah. a bit of encouragement. Yeah, and sometimes, like, for me, like, so when people, so when I say to someone, hey, that was really interesting, you should come on the podcast and talk about that, or and that, that's usually how now, for me now, guests, right, like, I'll be chatting to someone, we're pretty fortunate that every, lots of people want to come on the podcast now, and so we have to be, I have to have a person that manages it for me, because I'm super emotional, and I'm just like, you get a car, you get a car, everyone comes on the podcast, right, <laughs> and I'll never be able to stop doing anything on the podcast, but one thing now, like, if I'm talking to someone, and I'm just like, and that's really interesting. Like, I'd love you to come on and explain that on the podcast because I think lots of people would learn from that. And the gener- the usual answer is, I couldn't do that. My voice, no. Like, I'm not a person that should be on a podcast. And I'm like, well, neither am I. No one is. Like, who no. the fuck, right? We're just interesting people sharing stories yeah. because it may help someone. And if you're lucky enough to take that elevator back up, send it back down. But one thing that Jono said to me, was it Jono that you said to me? Yeah, just yesterday. He said, send that elevator back down, but make it easier for someone to take it back up, right? Yeah. And by you and other people coming on the podcast and talking about this stuff and talking about your highs and lows, that's what we're doing, right? Perfect, perfect. Well, thanks thanks for giving me the opportunity and I hope others sort of follow. Yeah, yeah man. I think um, so before, before we let you go though, right, yeah. where, like, where do you see all signal you know, in five years from now? Look, we're addressing a big global problem. Um, every login box in the world is, is you know, a potential customer of, of OffSignal. Uh, every customer interaction from how you deal with government to banks, insurance companies, we want to transform that. So, look, we're, we're not trying to uh, uh, pussyfoot around our ambition. We're trying to build a global uh, billion-dollar company. Yeah. Uh, we, need, we need people that believe in that, believe in us. Yeah. So I'm glad that we already have... Uh, the ingredients and we've been kicking massive goals and 
um, you're already using us and, you know, if you're a customer of, of uh, this one particular company. I heard, um, of it, I heard of it. Bix called me and he was like, you wouldn't believe yes. who we're working with now. And yeah. Shout out to Paul Bickley, by the way. Yeah. Awesome guy. So we, we help companies like that just kick ass, give a great experience, keep customers' accounts secure, uh, and there's plenty out there for us to, to build upon. So, look, we want to aim for the stars, put a rocket into space uh, figuratively and, and you know, hopefully get bring a few people uh, on the journey with us. Awesome, man. I love that so much. And how can we, as an ecosystem, support you to do that? Like, is there anything that people out there can do? Is there anything that I can do? Use, use our product is yeah. the first thing. Uh, get in touch with us. One, I think um, I and my team have a lot of experience in... Um, building consumer-facing apps that are secure, that process payments. So collectively, we've got about three decades' worth of experience of Vend, Square, Pushpay, Afterpay, Layby, yeah. uh, and that's just scratching the surface. So if you're building those platforms now, if you need to have someone to just sound a bit of, get a bit of advice on, and how should I do this, how should I do that, we've, we've got a team that's just ready to help and uh, just pick up the phone, um, jump on our website, add me on LinkedIn, and, and let's let's talk. Yeah, awesome, man. So final question for you, right, is if we're going, same thing for you, right? Like, say, if you're trying to give someone some advice right now um, and we're going to send them to the show notes for this one little nugget of information that you think they really need to go off and look at that, whether it be a book, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a, a TED Talk, whether it be a person, like, what's the thing that you would say, pop that in the show notes because everyone needs to see that. Yeah, look, well, it it doesn't help that I'm actually not a big I'm not a big book reader. I, mm. I read articles, listen to podcasts, but I think question and understand your purpose and values. Um, start with that. Yeah, awesome. understand that clearly, and if you can get to the point where you know that, then everything else will just fall into place. Yeah, man, that's a theme that comes up often with successful people that I chat to, man. So yeah. I think you're, you're on the money. Hey, Justin, I know you're a busy guy. You're out thank there building you. a billion-dollar business, so I'm going to let you get on, man. But thank you so much for coming in, brother. Thanks, and, Troy. Um, I look forward to continuing to watch your journey. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, man. Hey, thanks so much for coming on, Justin. I just got a message actually from Alicia Mackay, previous podcast guest. It turns out she went to high school with you as well. And so that entrepreneurial club <laughs> Um, potentially could be the future leaders of New Zealand by the way it's sounding out. And so Justin, super interesting conversation. Really enjoyed it. Uh, hope everyone is can be like water, um, like like Bruce Lee's famous quote and sort of evolve and, and grow with this. And, and I hope we're actually um, giving you what you want with these podcasts. And so thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. If you're not subscribing, jump on now and, and join the band. Thanks so much. This podcast is produced by John Otaka from Empire Films.